Yes. All right. Thanks, Dan and team. Our kids can head up to be with our Redemption Kids team and uh, pray for them as they go. And I'd like to invite the rest of you to open your copy of God's indestructible word to the book of Acts. We'll be in chapter 8 today. So if uh, you're using one of the Bibles we provide, it's page 916. Page 916. Uh, for those of you who were here last week and uh, brought your earplugs this week, um, there is a different preacher again. Uh, so hopefully uh, what Pastor Stephen uh, shared from his personal story, which I asked him to share, as well as uh, from Joshua, it spoke to you. Uh, but revival is not about a style, right? It's not about a style. It's not about the style of a song. It's not about the style of a sermon. Revival is about the heart of God grabbing our hearts by his spirit and by his word. Uh, so if you brought your earplugs in preparation for another loud sermon, uh, we'll turn it back down a couple of notches today, uh, but from the same word we will uh, preach. So I uh, hope you're ready to receive what God uh, has for you today, for you, because he loves you very personally, as we've just sung about. Well, I thought it would be fun. I know last uh, weekend was graduation. Uh, if you graduated, congratulations. Really proud of you. All right. If that's on the horizon for you, keep working hard. Uh, but, but I thought it would be fun, uh, since we're past graduation, to uh, start summer school right now with a pop quiz. How about a pop quiz? All right, so if you uh, didn't receive a worship guide with this card, I want you to raise your hand because uh, Jerry and the team, they're going to come by and make sure you have this in your hand. All right, so, so don't be shy. All right, raise your hand really high, like right now. If you don't have a card, please raise your hand. I don't think we hit 100%, so there we go. There's a few. All right, Jerry, team, can, I, can you come in quick? Or someone help? Pastor John, thank you. Uh, so just, just hang on. Uh, and you're going to receive uh, this little block map, all right? And so this block map, I'm going to start introducing it, and Pastor John will uh, come and deliver uh, those uh, to you. But what I want you to do is think about your neighbors, all right? The neighbors in your neighborhood, okay? So think about your address, where you live, and I want you where it says number one, okay? Raise your hand again. There's Pastor John, Jerry, all right? They're ready to distribute now. We're good to go. We have a few down here in the front, one or two back in the back left, okay? So make sure uh, you cover coast to coast in the theater here this morning, guys. Thank you. Keep your hand up uh, because you're going to want to participate in this pop quiz. You might have the high score. You know what I'm saying? You might have high scores. So uh, number one, I want you to think about eight of your neighbors, okay? Uh, it doesn't have to be geographically perfect, okay, or precisely according to the orientation of this card. But you can see here in the middle, it says you are here, all right? And then you have neighbors around you. And so in the very first slot, I want you to write eight of your neighbors' names, all right? Eight of your neighbors' names, all right? First name, first and last name, do the best you can, all right? Uh, but think about your neighbor to your right, your neighbor to your left, your neighbor across the street, the neighbor uh, maybe catty corner diagonal on both sides, uh, maybe the neighbor behind you. How many of your neighbors can you name? That's number one, all right? And this is, this is a, a quiz about levels of neighboring, we can call it, okay? Levels of neighboring. And so, level one right there, name. I see the struggle. Don't cheat, all right? If you, are, if you have roommates, spouses, 
All right, do not cheat. This is your quiz, all right? Just like school. All right, then number two, I want to ask you to write some just simple information about them, all right? This is just kind of what you'd find on a census. Family, family background, vocation. What do you know, just simple information about your neighbor, all right? And, and like what color their front door, that doesn't count, all right? Like what kind of car they drive, that doesn't count, all right? There's information about them and fill out as much as you can in those eight boxes. And so what we've done so far, just to catch you up to speed, okay, we, we've shown the number of neighbors that you are complete strangers with, okay, and then if you know their name, they've moved to no longer a stranger, right? But, but then, not just to know their name and to no longer be a stranger, but... If you know some simple information about them, they've probably become an acquaintance of yours, all right? But then the third level of neighboring is some below-the-surface information about them. You can actually write something about their hopes, their dreams, their beliefs, what, what really moves them, what motivates them in life. That's level three. So go ahead and... I know you only have two minutes right now, not 10 minutes. You can take this card home. In fact, I want you to take this card home. I want you to continue to fill it out. But, but when we get to level three, we move from an acquaintance to an actual relationship with these people, getting below the surface, really beginning to know one another. And this, this concept comes from this book called The Art of Neighboring. All right, really good book on how to, are you ready for this? How to fulfill the second greatest commandment, which is what? There we, there we go. Love your neighbor as yourself, okay? And, and, and the premise of this book is that God actually wants us to love our actual neighbors. How about that? Are you guys like, some of you are smiling because you probably scored high. Some of you are like, man, I wish he wasn't talking about this because I don't know one of my neighbor's names. So listen, wherever you are, wherever you are, all right, and I'm still working on hitting levels two and three with my neighbors as well, all right? But, but wherever you are, it is, it's not only about just a tool that can help us get to know our neighbors and think about this concept, but even more than that, we need the truth and grace of God to help us, listen, level up our love for the neighbors around us. I mean, if you, if you actually know all eight of your neighbors' names, then the, the authors of this book found that, that as they put this uh, quiz out to people, that only 10% of people could name their eight closest neighbors, just even list their names. Only 3% could provide some simple information about those neighbors, and less than 1%, less than 1% could go level three. And so the call for us today is to level up our love, to move one neighbor at a time, learning their name, learning about them, and really getting to know them so that we can actually love them with the love of Christ. And so this morning, we're going to jump back into the book of Acts, and we're going to spend today and the next two Sundays 
looking at what it means to really live out the mission of God on our streets. And I know some of you biblical scholars are thinking like, well, Acts 8, 9, 10, and 11, they are not a manual for how we are to be a good neighbor, and you are absolutely correct. At the same time, the whole book of Acts is about helping us live on mission and what? Be his witnesses, Christ's witnesses, wherever God sends us, which absolutely includes the very homes we live in, the very streets we live on, the very neighborhoods that we call home. And so I want to encourage us this morning from Acts chapter 8 that we can level up our love by living under the God over our streets. We're going to see this idea of God being in control or sovereign over the details of our lives as we work through Acts chapter 8. And so I want you to think about, I want you to look for how you see God at work moving in ways that show us he's placed us in particular places for purposes, right? Around particular people for his purposes, leading us moment by moment to point other people to Jesus. And so I want to read this entire chapter for us, if you would follow along as I read them for us. This is what the Word of God says. And Saul approved of his execution a man named Stephen, Acts chapter 7, it tells us of the first martyr in the early church named Stephen. And it says, on the, on, and there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits were crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. But there was a man named Simon who previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him. From the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip, and seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive 
the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, pray for me to the Lord that none of what you have said may come upon me. Now when they testified and spoke the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. Verse 26, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth. And beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and he passed through. as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Let's pray one more time. So, Father, even now, we ask that, as it was said of the people in Samaria, that we would pay attention. We would pay attention to your word, 
from your scriptures. God, however you are calling us to not just receive the gift of salvation through Jesus, but to help point others to salvation through Jesus, we ask that you would speak very specifically to us on how we can level up our love for those around us. We pray in the name of Christ. Amen. So I want to give you four ways you can level up your love by living under the God who is over our streets, all right? The first way is this. Level up your love by recognizing God is over your address, all right? God is over your address, We see here in this story that as the gospel was advancing, so also persecution was advancing against the church. And this persecution hits a tipping point with the martyrdom of Stephen. And his martyrdom ignites a greater persecution against the church, that is, those who follow Jesus. And it's in light of this great persecution that's moving from house to house. People are being separated from their families in prison because of their faith in Christ that the church then is scattered to the surrounding areas and region of Judea and Samaria. But what we see here is that God is over all of these details because they are actually scattered to the very place that God wanted to send them, right? I mean, the key verse of, of Acts, if you, if you want, just go back in to chapter 1, verse 8, and underline or highlight where it says Jesus commands them and promises you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, where they were, Judea and Samaria, where they're going, and to the ends of the earth. And so we start to see the fulfillment of the mission of Christ that he gave to them as they're scattered around Samaria and Judea. And and what is this teaching us, right? What is this teaching us? It's teaching us that God, listen to this, God is always at work behind the scenes to accomplish his purposes, even in the difficult moments of our suffering. We know this as God's providence. If you go to our website and look at our statement of faith, you'll find a statement on providence that says, God from eternity decrees or permits all things that come to pass and perpetually, don't miss this, perpetually upholds, directs, and governs all creatures and all events, yet so not as any way to be the author or approver of sin, nor to destroy the free will and responsibility of intelligent creatures. So what that is saying is that God is in control of everything. And I don't know about you, but I want a God that is in control of everything, all right, who never authors sin, don't miss that, nor destroys the, 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 the human responsibility that we are to exercise because... We need a God who's in control of this broken world we live in. I mean, the cross shows us this clearer than any other event or or picture in the history of the world. As God takes the worst evil, men killing God, to accomplish his greatest good, God saving man. Wow. We need a sovereign God. We need a providential God. And this providential God is over the scattering of the believers in Christ who were 
being persecuted. He's sending them out to the very places he wanted them to tell others about Jesus. And so I just want to submit to you today that just as God placed these believers, and specifically this man named Philip, who was filled with wisdom and the Spirit to communicate the Word and to perform these miraculous signs and wonders in the power of the Holy Spirit, that God is just as sovereign over where he has sent you as where he sent Philip. And so I just want you to think about it for a moment. Where has God placed you? What is your address? God is over it. Like he, he has placed you there for his purposes. And if you don't believe me, if you think like, well, this is like a, a theological kind of, you know, um, you, you know kind of uh, deduction from like this idea of, of God's sovereignty and providence and like, but I don't see that in scripture. Well, I think we see it right here in scripture, but let me just take you to a place where a guy named Paul makes it very explicit in Acts chapter 17, verses 26 and 7. Paul says this in Athens, preaching to some very smart people. He says, and he, God, made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. Earth, And listen to this. Having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. So, so listen, I, I get it. Like, you, you may have searched for that apartment for, for weeks or months on Craigslist. Your family may have lived on the same street for 85 years. It doesn't really matter how you got there. The point is that God is over where he has placed you. We are so, listen, we are so tempted to miss the obvious. And listen, this is exactly what Satan wants us to do. Like, we even heard about revival last week, and it's like, how do we see this in our lives? And we just heard, like, get your face in God's book. Pray. Keep remembering God's faithfulness. I mean, what's so special about that? Oh, the, the obvious things, right? And so C.S. Lewis uh, says this in, in his book, Screwtape Letters. He, he instructs the demons to aggravate that most useful human characteristic, the horror and neglect of the obvious. <laughs> Don't miss the obvious. God has placed you on your street for his purposes. God has placed you there to love them. That's number one. That's where it all begins. And then number two. We can level up our love by understanding our neighbor's unique stories. This, this, this lengthy chapter, Acts chapter 8, introduces us to two key figures that are receiving the news of the gospel. There's a man named Simon who was a magician, and there is an Ethiopian eunuch who is unnamed. And we see in their two stories, they're very unique stories. They're very different stories. Simon was a magician. He was a very accomplished magician. He was influential. He not only touted his own greatness, but other people were saying how great he was. He astounded them. He amazed them with his magical works. 
It seems that Simon also had a bit of money because he tries to buy the power of God. And it's, it's in this context that the gospel comes, and, and, and though he wanted to make a name for himself and even accepted this praise that, that the power of God belongs to him because of his magical works, in verse 13 we see a shift because it says, even Simon believed as Philip preached about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus. And Simon was baptized. And so what we have here in this story, we have to look very closely, but it, it seems like at, a, at just a, a surface-level reading, we take the text at face value, that it seems that Simon, we have no reason to doubt that he is sincere in saying, wow, there is the kingdom of God, and Jesus is God's king who came and died to save us. And it says that Philip believed. But then when Peter and John come to lay hands on the believers there in Samaria, which seems to be, you can go back and listen to the Acts 2 sermon where I explain this a little further. It seems to be kind of a Samaritan Pentecost when God blesses the, the believers there with the power of the Holy Spirit that's probably manifested in signs and wonders. A baptism of the Spirit, which then is accentuated by subsequent fillings of the Holy Spirit as God is empowering us to live our lives for Christ. But in this moment, when Philip sees this happen, he's like, man, I want in on that. Like these, 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 these two guys, Peter and John, they have a power that I don't have. I want that power. And so he says, like, how much, how, how much do you charge? Wow. How, like, can, can, I, can I get in? Like, pay you for this kind of, wow, it seems like magic. (laughs) And so Peter levels a scathing rebuke of Simon in verse 20, and he says, may your silver perish with you. Wow. Because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money, you have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answers, pray for me to the Lord, that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. And so, listen, we can't, like, scholars are, like, split decision in terms of, is Philip really, like, saved? Like, was he ever really sincere in his faith? Or was his faith spurious? In other words, was his faith false? Was he just kind of following the crowd? Was he being baptized because he wanted to kind of get in on these signs and wonders that Philip was performing in the midst of the city? We can't know for sure. The text is not conclusive. But what we can know is this. The power of God in the gospel is greater than any human power or human endeavor, magic, or you fill in the blank. And what we can know from this story is that the gospel must be either accepted or rejected. And this is our call as well, to hold out the gospel as we encounter the unique stories of our neighbors. There's another story that we begin to see in verse 27, and that is of the Ethiopian eunuch. He was another influential person. He worked for the queen of Ethiopia. Apparently, he had his MBA. He was pretty good with finances, and he is overseeing her treasury. Added to that, he was 
seeking God at some level because not only does it say that he went to Jerusalem to worship, but it says that he was, as he was going home, he was reading the Hebrew Scriptures, our Old Testament. And he had the prophet Isaiah before him as Philip approaches the chariot. And so clearly God was at work in his life because as He's reading. He asks Philip to help him understand what he's reading. And after Philip again explains to him who Jesus is, what he did, why that matters for him, he believes. And and he confirms this belief, just as we saw a few weeks ago on Baptism Sunday. And we'll have another one before too long. that, That he wanted to display his faith by baptism, showing this inward change of what God had brought in his heart. And so these stories are very unique. And God is fulfilling Jesus' command here to take his message to Samaria. And even with the Ethiopian eunuch, we have a preview of to the ends of the earth. Don't miss that, that key verse 1-8. But, but what do we learn? Okay, what do we learn? Not, not only do people have unique stories, okay, but people have different levels of receptivity to the gospel. And so while we pray for all people, while we love all of our neighbors, we can unapologetically pray that God would lead us to the people who are the most open. You know what I'm saying? Like there, there are people in your neighborhood that are more open to God and spiritual things than some others of your neighbors. And we just need to be reminded of that. We just need to have a little confidence that it's not all on us, that God is actually working ahead of time to help us reach out to them. And so I know, listen, I know, your, your neighbors are like my neighbors. Your neighbors are like, so some are ultra-relational, right? They, they, they love to, to chat. They love to hang out. They love to, 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 to have conversation when you see them, okay? But then others are ultra-reclusive. And so it's going to take effort on our part to, to, to stop, to create conversation, to get to know them. And I just want to give you a few suggestions on how you can begin to level up your love in your neighborhood as you encounter the unique stories of your neighbors around you, okay? Number one, quite simply, this is where it all begins. We begin with prayer, right? Prayer, like walk around your neighborhood and pray. Walk around your neighborhood or go for a run, all right, and pray for the homes around you. Pray for the people by name around you. Use this little card, put it in your Bible or where you can see it, and actually pray for your neighbors by name. God loves them. He loves every single one of them more than you love them, more than you can begin to love them. But he's calling you to exercise that same love, and that love can begin with prayer. Number two, play. And not just pray, but play. And here's a, an awesome principle that I learned from a, a church planter in Chicago. Just, just super well said. He says this, do what you do and do it with others. Do what others do and do it with them. Hmm. Let's not miss the obvious, right? Like, like do what you do. What do you love to do? Invite your neighbors to do it with you. What do your neighbors love to do? Go do it with them. Pray, play, and then finally serve and be served. 
serve at the NBC. Like, there are needs around you. There, there are needs that your neighbors have, right? And so we step out and we see a need and we meet that need, okay? It may be helping out with some yard work. It may be bringing them a meal in a time of difficulty. It may be serving them by actually inviting them into your home, right? Using your home as a tool to, to serve other people. It's, a, it's hospitality, right? Jeff Vanderstel says this, I think the church has been taught to idolize their home, their family, and themselves. The rampant individualistic approach says, but that's my house. No, that's God's house. Serve and be served. When, when you bring a need to your neighbor, like, like even the ones that are reclusive and kind of crotchety, you know, and don't like they think you ever want to speak to them, like if you go and just like, hey, do you have any eggs? Do you have any sugar? Like, like, just even, like, even that simple ask, all right, not only does it save you an hour of drive time and shop time, all right, but it will actually deepen your relationship with the people around you. As we help one another, it helps us go deeper relationally. And so we level up our love by recognizing where God has placed us, by understanding the unique stories of people around us. But then number three, by hearing the voice of God, by hearing the voice of God. We we see the voice of God being heard in multiple ways in this chapter. Please don't miss this. Number one, what is implicit is that Philip and all of these followers of Jesus, as they're being scattered, they are actually obeying his command to be his witnesses in Judea and Samaria. They are obeying the apostles' teaching. Where do we have the apostles' teaching? Right here, in this book. So God has spoken to us by the Scriptures. That's why we have to be in it daily, reading, absorbing the truths that give us life and set us free to live the life that God has called us to live. I hope you've been doing that this week. It's where revival starts. It's where, where revival happens. If, if there is life in this word, that's what revival is all about. It's about receiving the life of God. And so we get our face in God's book. But, but then number two, God not only speaks to us by his word, he also speaks to us through his moment-by-moment leadership. All right? Moment-by-moment leadership. And this is what we see in Acts. In in an atypical way, verse 26, it says that an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise, go south, and hit the desert area because I have an assignment for you. And this is an atypical way that that God speaks. Did you know that angels still exist? Do you guys know that? Like demons exist, angels exist. I know that's hard for our Western rationalistic minds, but people in other parts of the world don't have a problem stepping into that and really believing what the Bible says. All right, there you go. So so God can speak to us, maybe in an atypical way through an angel, all right? I've never had that happen. But I have had the Holy Spirit lead me, nudge me, say, you know what? 
reach out to that person. Never in an audible voice, not that I don't believe that's possible, but, but in an inaudible voice, Tanner, get on your knees. Tanner, go see them in the hospital, even though they haven't asked you to. Tanner, text them, reach out to them, love them, hang out with them. This is what we see in verse 29. And the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. Perhaps there were other chariots, right, that are they're traveling back to Ethiopia. But, but, but the Spirit says, this one, right here, right now. And so listen, I, I understand that we have a really high value of Scripture, right? God speaks through the Scripture. And if this makes you nervous, what I'm saying, God speaks by His Spirit, like Romans 8.14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Like God speaks to us by His Holy Spirit, day by day by day. Jesus is still the good shepherd. The sheep hear His voice. Amen? But he never speaks in contradiction to the word, right? God's not a liar. God's revealed truth. Whatever he says to us, it's going to accord with the word. It's going to line up with the word. But the idea is that there's this dynamic relationship that we're walking in, that we're hearing God lead us, nudge us out, prompt us to be about his business. And so the, this is how it works. Right? I want you to consider this, all right? There, there is foundationally God's sovereignty and his providence over all the details of our lives. We could call that the foundation, right? That the God is in control. And yet there are these flashes of leadership. I hope you're listening. I hope you're listening to God this week. There are these flashes of God's leadership where he's saying them now, that tomorrow, Hey, are you experiencing this? I'm just asking, are you experiencing this? Them now, that tomorrow. He said, well, Tanner, I'm not having many Philip moments. I'm not having the Spirit lead me like this. How do I, how would I even know? Here are a few ways that I think you can begin to, like, be on the lookout and have your eyes open. When you pray and read the Bible, who pops into your mind? Ask me about a story later. I don't have time to share right now. Who, who's coming to you for help? Like, who, who, is, who is coming to you? Why not them? Like, is God calling you to, to serve and love them? What about this? Who do you keep bumping into? All right, I love this. I have a friend from the Middle East, and I bump into him everywhere I go, it seems. And not only that, all right, but he named his baby Isa. That's Jesus in Arabic. So, so like, it's like, don't you know, like, God is trying to grab our attention? He's trying to, like, here's the principle, guys. God is working ahead of us. God is working ahead of you. Have your eyes open. God is at work. He's always at work. And so because of that, we pray, then God, send me where you're working. Why not, like, we live with this attitude, why not them? Why not her? Why not him? Why not that family? God, don't you love them? Haven't you sent me here for this purpose? Let's listen to the voice of God and obey the voice of God as revealed in the Scriptures. We recognize where God's placed us. We understand people's unique stories. We hear the voice of God. And this is all, listen, this is all to point people to Jesus Christ. 
It's all to point people to Jesus Christ. You see, in the church, even this church, we talk about, and we're proud of it, we think it's the way to go, like most of the time, to, 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 to exercise what is called relational evangelism. In other words, like we, evangelism is, is telling the good news about Jesus to other people, okay? And we want to do that relationally. In other words, uh, it's not our methodology to get boxes and to stand on street corners and proclaim the gospel. We're, not a, we're actually not, a, we're not saying that's wrong. We're just not saying that's the, 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 the typical method that's going to be most effective in our, in our culture. And so what we want to do is actually build relationships with people. And as we get to know those people, we want to explain to them what's most important in our lives. But here's the catch. Relational evangelism is not evangelism at all until the word of God enters that relationship. Did you hear that? So what can happen is, and Satan loves this, is he, he just saying like, we'll keep building the relationship. Just, just hang out one more time. Have them over for dinner one more time, but oh, they're probably not ready to hear yet. Like, do, do you think that, like, people love sincerity, right? They love authenticity. And so, like, how sincere is it if a relationship with God through Jesus Christ is the most important thing in our lives for us never to talk about that, right? Just never talk about it. Like, I'm not saying we force it on people. I'm not saying we beat them over the head with the Bible, okay? But I'm saying this is ultimate to us, and so we share it with them. And, 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 and how do we go about it? Listen, probably the greatest takeaway, maybe the greatest takeaway from this chapter for us is this. Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, what's going on there? The eunuch has the word of God. He has the word. That is, that is how we know God. God has revealed himself to us in this book. And so we should be people who actually get the word of God into people's hands. Don't miss the obvious, right? Don't, don't miss the obvious. Like, I'm not against, like, sharing a Christian book. I'm not against sharing a movie or a video or a sermon, okay? But, like, I've just found that the times when I actually put a Gospel of John or a Gospel of Luke or a Bible in people's hands and say, read this chapter, tell me what you think. Hey, read this chapter, and I'll buy you a cup of coffee, and maybe we can talk about it. In those instances, that's where we see the most fruit. Actually putting the word in people's hands. Like, in technology, is we just, like, copy, paste, send. Hey, you know what? I read this. I thought of you. Tell me what you think. It's really not that hard. But... We need God's grace and God's power to make it happen, to point them to Jesus. What, what, I'm, what I'm amazed by in this, in this chapter is that it says everywhere the apostles went, everywhere Philip went, everywhere the early Christians were traveling and scattered about, they were telling people about Jesus. And you say, well, and that was them. I'm just saying, why not us? Why not us? Why not now? 
is God not as powerful today as he was in their day? I mean, it's the church going out. It's It's not the apostles. The apostles stayed back in Jerusalem. Insert kind of a parallel today, pastors. Like this church advances. The mission of Christ advances when everyone owns the mission. When everyone says, that's my street, and I'm going to own my street because God has placed me there, and God is over this situation, and God wants me to love these people around me. Oh, and when we do, when we do, verse, four, verse, verse 8, verse 8. So there was much joy, much joy. Much joy in that city. May that be said of Medford and Greater Boston. May that be said of your street and your neighborhood. As God empowers you to live out his mission in the power of his Holy Spirit. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for how you speak to us by your word and how you lead us by your Holy Spirit. And God, I pray that today's message would go way beyond today. (laughs) Because when we read from your word, you invite us to respond, not just for a couple of minutes, but to respond with our entire lives. And so God, I pray that you would lead us to people around us that you want us to love, that you want us to serve, that you want us to care for, that you want us to point them to what you've done for them and the life, the death, and the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ. God, make us your missional people so the city and our neighborhoods will never be the same. We want to see joy. We want to see your joy ignited in our homes, in our neighborhoods. So God, start with us. Even right now, once again, we draw a circle around ourselves and we say, start with me. Change me. Move me to be about your business. Thank you, God, for what you're going to do. We can't wait to see it. We can't wait to rejoice. We pray in the name of Christ. Amen.